Well, ahoy there, dad and lovely listeners. It's the brand newest installment of the only horror movie review podcast in the entire world. Why, it's dad and lovely here with the host with the most. It's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. Darling lovers, it's me, (laughs) Hollywood Steve, straight from my home on Catalina Island. (laughs) Yar, where pirates be. (laughs) And we're reporting to you guys from a perfectly average Tuesday mm, that's just yep. totally average, ordinary, nothing really is going on. Yep. You know, it's election day, I guess that's happening, but sure. things are so normal, I can barely even stand it. There's nothing to worry about, not a cloud in the sky. Well, let's not make people two weeks from now relive election day, Ben. Maybe then- Yep, where something bad or worse happened. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we won't think about that. But just know when we're recording this, that's what we're thinking about. Uh Uh-huh, that's right. (laughs) If you'd like to skip straight to the review portion, there's a timestamp in the episode description. But more importantly, we're recording this as our first episode after Halloween. Steve, how was y'all's Halloween? It was great. Uh, We we watched uh, all sorts of stuff. We carved pumpkins and we drank. That's about all that you could great. do for, for Halloween this year, so that's what we did. What was your drink of choice while you were slicing a gourd? Uh, Emily was sipping on some pineapple rum. Ooh, a sweetie. And I was just drinking tequila. Ooh, a sweetie. Uh-huh. <laughs> just because it's you, though. Really. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, we had a good time, though. We, we carved up some pumpkins. I did. Uh, we, we had various sizes, and I did a, a tiny Halloween pumpkin. Like the OG Halloween. So it was super cute. I'm telling you all, super cute. All right. Did you guys watch anything cool while you was doing that? Oh, hell yeah, we did. We watched all sorts of stuff. Oh, hell yeah, baby. Mm. We were watching Treehouse of Horror episodes and Bob's Burgers Halloween episodes uh, throughout the night. Had fun. We watched some Hellraiser. But oh, raising hell. Hellraiser. Emily finally got me to watch a disney channel movie that she watched a lot as a kid called mr boogity okay i have heard tell of senior boogity but i don't know nothing about him what's his deal what's his story what's he into um well mr boogity liked to scare children by mm, yeah. uh, saying boogity boogity boo at them <laughs> that works um he also uh, uh was crushing on some chick and she wasn't crushing back and so he he turned into a, a, a mean old witch guy. Hmm. All right. All right. Yep. So that's the story of Mr. Boogity. Uh, the real story of Mr. <laughs> Boogity, end. though, is how flat all of the humor is. Oh, wow. Love it. Just so flat. It's just humorless. <laughs> just like every so you're saying joke. it's a new it's a new classic is what you're saying a new classic. Yeah. I, I mean, the <laughs> the dad is insufferable. The the Ooh. only way the mother character would make sense of is is if every time the dad did something, she looked at someone nearby and said, "I don't know how to get away from him. <laughs> I've been trying to divorce him. No one will let me." Wow! Like it it makes no sense. Uh, it, even Emily admitted it's a bad movie. <laughs> okay. She just All watched right. it so a lot as a the- kid. But the do not watch I, list. I watched Halloween Town, which is also one of those Disney Channel movies. Uh, I wouldn't say I've never seen it before, 
but I wouldn't say as an adult that uh, it's great, but I can see why kids liked it. It's silly, and the creature design is really good. Yeah, so that's one that we also hadn't seen, and at some point, like, really early on in the Halloween season, it was, like, a Saturday afternoon. I had some video editing or something that I was doing, and uh, I think Kate was also working on something. So just like, let's put on something kind of mindless that we don't really have to pay attention to in the background. So we put that well, on. That's exactly this, it yeah. seemed like... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like perfect for that kind of purpose, right? Yeah. And it seemed like just a good kind of classic, you know, late 80s, early 90s kids movie with, like you said, pretty cool character design. Some of the, the monster designs reminded me of, uh, what's that Clive Barker movie? Nightbreed? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It kind of yeah, reminded me of that, that a little bit. Yeah, it, it was obvious that they had just various makeup companies working because, so, like, there were so many different types of designs, but really cool. I, I enjoyed it, especially the, the main villain. I thought he looked really good. Uh, mm -hmm. It might surprise you to find out that that came out in 1998. Oh, shit. I thought it was like early 90s. Nope. <laughs> it looks very early 90s, though. It does. Yeah, it has <laughs> yep. that like slightly... Like a lot of a lot of like made for TV stuff back then had that slightly Vaseline lens, like kind yep. of foggy look about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what, what it was. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, especially if you have kids, it's probably one like young kids, not like teenagers. But like uh, if you have young kids, they'll probably really enjoy it. I also watched uh, a little movie called Coco. On Ooh, Dia de that'll Muertos. make you cry, cry right there, man. Ooh. Yeah, it will for sure. I had not seen yeah. it, and boy, it's a good one. I really love yeah. the the whole style, the look, everything's great. The characters, all interesting, fun stuff. I, it was very good Pixar movie, but also just uh, devastating. Yeah, yeah, it'll punch you right in the heart. Yeah, when, when, uh, in particular, when the, the dad sings to his daughter, it's like, oh my gosh. Oh man. Just, yeah. I'll take my eyes out for a little bit. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, who it is that handed the keys to, like, the, the kingdom of crying children to Pixar, but they just <laughs> love holding that power, man. They and do. adults, too. That's the thing, man. It's like, I don't remember like our parents crying when we watched Bambi and shit like that, but like Wait, I think you these don't? Pixar movies. <laughs> no, well, no. Bambi's a sad ass movie. If you'd said <laughs> yeah. Aladdin, that's more. Okay, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but like, I feel like these Pixar flicks are just engineered to destroy our generation specifically. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> They're made to be like, hey, look, kid, your parents can cry too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think uh, I think they are like they figured out some magic formula of like how to make parents and children on the same level while watching a movie like it yeah, basically so. just brings you together and in, in a positive way i think so i think so man. i'll tell you one of the things that really impressed me about that movie too all of the guitar playing was accurate like if he was playing a c chord his fingers were in a c chord in the movie oh wow that's crazy. Yeah, like they they totally they must have like motion captured. No, huh? Because usually it's just fucking mm -hmm. bullshit whenever somebody plays a guitar in a movie or a cartoon or whatever. But they must have like motion captured an actual guitar player and animated it because it's spot on. Wow. I kept waiting for it to mess up, and it never did. Really good. Yeah, that's really cool. I I uh, while watching it, I was like, 
we should do coolest guitars in movies sometime for a preview palace Ooh. because that one's up there. That's a pretty cool uh-huh. guitar. Uh huh. I've got one that I watched this week. It's a pretty cool guitar. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Though. Oh, what was it? Tell me all about I watched it right Party now. Massacre I'd too. like to hear. <laughs> Did you? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I that mean, movie. I've been telling you for a while, you're going to love it. Did you love it? Mm-hmm. I fucking loved it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's one of those that I'm like, why didn't I watch this way earlier? Like, the original Summer Party Massacre <laughs> is is fun and, like, yeah. really stupid, but, like, yeah. this one... It might as well not have anything to do with the first one. I mean, it's a completely different tone, a completely different movie, and it was a fucking delight. I mean, this, like, crazed, cartoonish greaser guy that has, for some reason, a super 80s pointy guitar with a drill on the Uh end of it. The girl band and their fucking girl band songs that were the actual worst. (laughs) Yeah, they were really bad, those songs. Whatever song oh that God. drummer was writing was terrible. <laughs> and then like then like the music that they're listening to when they're driving, I was like, oh, this must have been like a band that they made up for this movie. But it was like yeah. real music. <laughs> a Tokyo convertible. What was that? I don't know, dude. And I, I thought the same thing whenever they're what? <laughs> and I totally thought the same thing whenever they were like dancing and partying and stuff in the house and they're like, I love this song. And they start like <laughs> pillow fighting and taking their tops off and stuff. Oh, and it's yeah. this like super mopey, like yeah. not energetic at all song. <laughs> uh, you can tell why I liked the movie as a kid. Yeah. There's uh-huh, a lot of boobies. Yep. Um, a lot of bo- bodacious boobies. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it also is just one of those that stuck with me because it's so weird. Because, like, yeah. they're trying to, like, they're trying to play off the first movie some bit because she's the, the younger sister from mm-hmm. the first movie, but she now has a southern accent. Yeah. And her mom yeah. doesn't. No. Mm hmm. <laughs> And also now he's basically a Freddy-like killer, but also he's in real life. Yeah, I couldn't quite figure that out. Yeah, it didn't make much sense. Because he's kind of a little bit of both. Yeah, Slumber Party Massacre <laughs> 2 is, is uh, man, underrated, uh, terrible classic. Oh, dude, I absolutely loved it. I will watch it again sometime for sure, man. The funny thing is, is I watched that movie after I watched Mary Shelley's Frankenstein for the first time <laughs> in years. So I was like, I need something that's similar. So yeah, I chose Slumber Party Massacre 2. very <laughs> similar to Slumber Party Massacre 2. Man, that, uh, man, that's a great movie. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I really like that I, movie. I honestly don't remember the last time that I saw it because it was one of those deals where I was like, yeah, I saw that a bunch of times when I was a kid. And then mm. I start the movie and I'm like, Actually, I don't remember most of this, so yeah. I wonder if I just saw like the TV edit because I know that there's a lot of stuff in there that was way too brutal for them to put on like you know USA Network or TNT when I was a kid. Yeah, because there's some grisly yes, stuff there in is. there, man. Uh, really good, really sad. Shit, that is a sad, sad movie right there. And old Gilderoy Lockhart just does great in it. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, I I really have always enjoyed that movie we're gonna have to do it sometime for sure i think so because it's one of like the only good frankensteins yeah 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 absolutely well okay no that's not true because original frankenstein and bride of frankenstein are both good (laughs) 
They're not. Uh-huh. They're not. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein is is is, a, is really gorgeous movie. Uh, hmm. I've never seen it. You got to. What are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with ourselves, man? Actually, I'm like totally deficient on all the Universal and Hammer horror ones. Like, I've not watched fucking any mm. of those. There's like a lot of episodes waiting for us right there. Yeah, there are. Huh. Okay. Mm. Okay. Right, now my brains right. are running. My brains are mm. running. I'm a thinking. We've gotten feedback from us. We're listening to us. <laughs> We're gonna make Finally. changes to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm thinking about it now. Yeah. So. Cool. You what? You listen to that? Are you watch that? There, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. What else you get been watching? Man, we watched a handful of just like regular old classics. Just some regular old classics. We watched Dream Warriors. Which, you know, somebody pointed out recently on my page how confusing it is, according to that song, that they simultaneously are the Dream Warriors, uh-huh. but they don't want to dream no more. What is right. that about? We got these cool powers, don't really want to take advantage of them, though. Well, I mean, it's like this, man. It's like a soldier who goes to war. You know, somebody says, like, <sighs> oh, he's a great soldier. He's not rushing off back to war, though. Mm, 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 so they mm. are the Dream Warriors, but they're looking for peace, man. But we'd rather not, okay? Yeah. We'd rather not. Yeah. Like, we could kill the <laughs> shit out of Freddy, but we'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather not, really. Live and let live, we'll right? go back there. He can, you know, he could kill some other kids. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what happens. <laughs> I think the Dream Warriors are cowards. That's what's yeah. going on here. Galaxy brain understanding of dream warriors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, deal with that. (laughs) And dude, on our Halloween, you know, it was kind of weird for us because we usually host a ginormous party. We're usually the source of the festivities. This is the uh, the first time in the life of my wife that she's never hosted a Halloween party. First time ever. That's gotta, yeah, that stings. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's uh, the first time in the past few years that I haven't been to your Halloween party, so... Yep. Mm-hmm. Hurts so bad. It does. I would have liked to have been there a-drinking, a-talking. Mm-hmm. That's right. Talking, doing a little drinking, doing a little talking. That would have been fun. And I'll tell you what we did, though. We we decided to make the best of it. Yeah? We got some skeleton onesies that Kate found online, so we're festive looking. Also, onesies, I'm telling you what, clothing of the future. Clothing okay. of the future. <laughs> Big fan. Big old fan of those. As things. a sweaty man, no. <laughs> That's a pass, yeah. huh? That's a no. Okay. All right. Well, so not for everybody. So we stayed in and we decided to make ourselves a grand feast. I made a homemade beef stroganoff with steak instead of just like ground beef like like people do, you know? Yeah. My lord of mercy. It was absolutely fantastic. Here's the deal. The recipe I was using came from Sam the Cooking Guy on YouTube, who I highly recommend checking out. He's great. He's a total Total hard ass, and I love his channel. I did his recipe, which called for using, um, like, filet, right, for your steak. Uh-huh. I went to old Henhawk Butcher in the old old city there in Knoxville to see if they had any for me that I could use, and they had just sold out. But I'll tell you what they did have. What'd they have? They had some Wagyu beef hanger steak. <laughs> so I Jesus. used that. Jesus. It was ridiculous. I bet. <laughs> it was like the fanciest stroganoff ever, which is one of those things that I'm sure there's probably some kind of grand Russian history of stroganoff being like peasant survival food. And I'm like, maybe I used this beef that was massaged with sake to make it. <laughs> Anything with cream uh, and noodles. Yeah, they'd probably be peasant food. Yeah. 
Uh, except for the uh, Wagyu beef, yeah. <laughs> they don't they don't get as much in the Drevnia. Yeah, not as much, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was insane. It was so good. So we made some really great food. We put on a handful of movies that we've seen a million times just to have as background. And uh, basically, just from the, the view of our apartment, watch the streets and watch the shenanigans. Uh, I was really kind of hoping to see some more shenanigans, honestly. Like, it wasn't really as wild as I thought it would be. Hmm. Last weekend was a shit show, dude. The I amount bet. of stories of just, like, general debauchery that we saw the week before <laughs> Halloween, that's a half-hour episode right there, and it was ridiculous. So I was really hoping for some action this time around. But honestly, like, it was pretty tame. Well, what... There was, there was a there was a UT game last Saturday, and there wasn't one this Saturday. Right. I think that that was a lot of it. And I think also part of it, too, was that, you know, last weekend everybody got COVID from being out partying, and this oh, week they were Oh, so now they inside. couldn't go out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's what happened. <laughs> oh, man. But that presumes that they wouldn't go out. Yeah, just, that's true. Just because no, they got COVID? No. That's not going to stop them. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised, though, to see... What the popular costumes of the year were, though, because one of my favorite things every time it's a Halloween is to try to predict, like, what's going to be the mega costumes this year? Because I figured that there would be a lot of Tiger Kings, you know? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And there were. There was a handful of those. Yeah. Were you sure those weren't just normal dudes? Because, I, I mean, I've seen a bunch of Tiger Kings in the South myself. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's the thing that gets confusing. It's like, are you wearing a hick outfit or are you, a hick? Are you just going out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of hard to tell sometimes, yeah. honestly. The line blurs. Yep. I kind of figured that I would see a lot of, let's say, doctors, ninjas, and bank robbers. Why? All very mask-friendly costumes. Steve. Oh, good call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or professional like uh, Mexican wrestlers. Oh, yeah, luchadors. Yeah, luchadors, Actually, that'd be a, yeah. That'd be a great way to do it. I think that's just what I'm going to start doing instead of wearing a mask every time I have to go to the store. I'm just going to wear a fucking luchador, luchador mask, mask man. Fuck yeah. If I bet there are some N95 luchador masks out there. <laughs> there have to be. The thing is, is that carries on the luchador tradition of, like, you wear your mask everywhere you go. Those guys were Hell responsible yeah. before would... it was a thing, man. Oh, man. I'm into that, by the way. I yeah. really want luchador masks to become a normal fashion accessory. Man, Dude, that would be I'm awesome. telling you what, man. Especially with this like super cold snap that we just had in Tennessee, where it's been like 30 degrees every night. Mm-hmm. It I has. gotta tell you this. I was I was saying this all summer long and stuff too, but man, wearing a mask in the winter, I'm a big fan of. Yeah, because I'm a it guy nice. that gets the dry old sinuses. Uh-huh. I usually wrap a scarf around my head and my face. Yeah, man, I just got a damn like a buff or a gator that does the job for me. I'm a huge fan of winter mask. <laughs> winter mask. <laughs> That's my new black metal band. Uh-huh. And Cobra Commander is the lead singer. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> winter mask. <laughs> the surprising thing for the costumes, though, is that it was like, I mean, very seriously, like 50% of the costumes that I saw were angels and devils and i don't know why it was all over the place it could be i know right it could be like two females dressed one as an angel one as a devil or a couple where like the girls dress like an angel and the guy dressed like the devil Hmm. it was all over the place and i don't know why i feel like there was probably some kind of a 
a meme or a video game that I just missed out on that I think this is also part of getting old, Steve, is like not knowing what the fuck people are dressed up as for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> if you can name every Halloween costume on the street, you're not old. Okay. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, you know what though? Or you're too young. Because kids young, Yeah, man. kids aren't gonna get adults Halloween costumes, so <laughs> <laughs> you got to be in the right age to get all the Halloween costumes. Yeah, and I am clearly yeah, you're not above that it. age. You're beyond it. <laughs> so while we were watching the shenanigans and drinking some booze, we had on like Night of the Demons, which of course is a treasure. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I watched that like a couple weeks ago. Rewatched it. Fucking love it. Oh yeah. And because we needed another movie where Leanna Quigley takes off all her clothes, uh-huh. we also watched Return of the Living Dead, of course. Hell yeah. Uh, as well as Rocky Horror Picture Show. And we also watched The Haunting. You had mentioned The Haunting like oh, a week right, or two ago. Yeah. So I was like, oh, let's put this on, man. The nine, 1998, 99? 99. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And boy, I'll tell you what. That CGI. It's great, right? Sure looks bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's real <laughs> terrible. But the funny thing is, is like all the parts of the movie that are legit, like the sets and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, those look great. Gorgeous. Yeah, that's what I was saying. The aesthetic of it, I, I really enjoy it, but it, it's just, it's not a good movie. Mm-mm. No, really, really, really bad. But uh-huh. it was still just a good one to have on as background in between watching drunk people stumble around in their, yeah. in their Tiger King <laughs> costumes and stuff. So it was all right, man. Did you watch anything else cool? I watched a movie called His House on Netflix, which Wait, I recommend. Whose house? His Run's house. house. No, no, his house. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, oh. not Run's, Run's house. house. Run is not involved. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> the Re- <laughs> the Reverend Run stays far away. Uh, That's right. It's it's got Matt Smith. It's uh oh gosh, what is her name? It's got uh, the the sister Letty's sister from Lovecraft Country. The singer. oh yeah. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. great. Gosh, she's so good. Oh man, she's uh, me. It's uh it's about these two African refugees who um they escape the Sudan and make it to England and basically mm-hmm. th- like you know, there there's a sort of sinister atmosphere and stuff going on, uh but it's it's like a slow burn haunting kind of thing mm. but also like it, it slowly reveals some stuff that um is is um very i mean i don't want to say too much it's very okay, right. dark and very like it, it really it really brings you into what it would be like to be a refugee which okay. is right. scary as fuck well, according to Tom Petty, you don't have to live like a refugee. You don't have to live like... Yep, that's right. That was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did say that. Did. Seems like it's an he option. Did. Yeah, but I think you do sometimes. <laughs> I think maybe Tom <laughs> didn't realize that refugees don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty easy to say yeah. when you've never been a refugee, Tom. Right? Uh, I recommend it, though. <laughs> it, it, uh, it's it's dark. Very dark and uh, dark. not like a happy movie, for sure. But definitely worth a watch. I'll watch that next time. I'm just feeling a little too good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> 
I'll watch Honey Boy and then that, yep, and I'll be like, all right, go. now I feel quite, properly terrible quite again. An evening. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, Steve, because of this shift in the weather that we've had, we've had to done go and turn our heat on already. You guys turned your heat yeah. pump on yet? Yeah. Um, I, I keep my vent in my office closed because I am always hot, but yeah, we've had to turn it on in, in the rest, Ooh. so... Tell me something I don't already right. know about Rawr. you, big boy. <laughs> I, I'm a sweaty, sweaty man. It's not a positive. <laughs> <laughs> well, speak for yourself there, Steve. Rawr. But man, I'll tell you what. It's got this air in here just so dry yeah. that my palate is just a desert. It is a dry and barren place. I need something just to wet it up. So I can continue chin wagging with you here, Steve. Mm-hmm. What do you think we should do? I think we should grab ourselves a 512 pecan porter. <gasps> I happen to have one of those. Where did this come from? From whence did it originate? Well, you're going to be surprised to hear this, but Lamar dropped these off. Oh, my God. Lamar that brought us all the best beers we've been doing yeah. the past couple weeks? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited to get into this one. He said to drink this with cookies or dessert. But I, I don't eat cookies or dessert, so this is going to be my cookies and dessert. Oh, I'm sweet enough as it is, aren't yeah. I? Now, I've got this, right, this poured out, and it is... All right, I've got to crack mine. It is dark as hell. Woo! Boy, I had a super dark beer the other night. I had myself an old Rasputin. You ever had an old Rasputin? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I have. Good stuff. You ever drank a loaf of liquid uh-huh. rye like bread? Because that's it. <laughs> Just a full <laughs> loaf of Russian bread. Russian bread's some good <laughs> stuff, by the way. Is it? Is that a thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is dork right here. I hope it's nice and pecan I hope it's got a lot of that pecan yeah, flavor we do in it. Yeah, we do have to talk about this important issue. As we're from the South, uh, uh, what are we supposed to say? Because I pecans, uh, it's <laughs> I've always heard pecan, though I also hear pecan in this region. Mm-hmm. I think in East Tennessee, it's kind of a mix of pecan and pecan. Now, where I grew up, if you grew up in like let's say Western Talbert, yeah, Tennessee, Western like Talbert. I did, mm-hmm. the western edge of it though, mm-hmm. we're not from North Talbot, no, no. <laughs> Over here, we say pecan, a pecan. Mm-hmm. Yep, like you're peeking at your Christmas mm-hmm. presents. I'm peeking at them. A pecan pie. A pecan pie. <laughs> I'm just peeking at that pie is what it is. We say pecan over there. I usually go for pecan. I think that's my pronunciation. Pecan. Yeah, I say pecan. I yeah, that's what I think I think that's what my family says. But I also always get mixed up on whether or not my family says neither or neither, and I think they say both. Ooh. Yeah, that can happen. I think they do because I know I know for sure. My my grandmother says heathern, so oh, she heathern. probably That's says neither, not neither. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I just had a sip of this stuff right here, and it is, yeah. as Lizzo once said, good as hell. Is that right? Let me get some here. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, wet your whiskers in that right there. It does have a nice velvety, chocolatey darkness to it. It's not overly sweet. It does have a little bit of sweetness to it. I'm going to say it's like a semi-sweet kind of beer. Not one of those that you have and you're like, oh, that's dessert. Yeah. Yeah. I Actually, that's what I was thinking. And I see why uh, Lamar said to drink it with cookies or dessert. I think it would pair well with something sweet because it's not Man. it's not overly sweet. There is the pecan is there. 
You can taste it. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of that right there, man. Yeah, I think I'm gonna try to get more into some like porters and stouts and stuff like that. Now that we're kind of getting into the yeah into the colder months, you know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I thought. Well, let's have a a pecan porter because it is cold as hell out there. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, man. Like my my kind of beer kick lately has been leading me towards just some good old hoppy ales, like pale ales, not. Uh-huh. Milkshake, cereal, milk, right. banana, whatever, cosmic, <laughs> hazy IPA. Not yeah. that. Like, there's a time and a place, but I've just had so many of those for the past year or so that uh, I had a beer from Equilibrium and I snagged you one too okay. so you can have it because it, it blew my mind because it was just like, oh my God, it's a beer flavored beer that has tons of fucking hops. And it reminds me of like when I first started getting into IPAs, the kind of IPAs that they were making and just pale ales and stuff. So my beer tooth has been leading me in that direction as well as some the old delicious beer stouts and porters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> beer tooth is called. I had one from Pretentious the other day. That was a cinnamon roll stout. What the hell? God, that sounds it was awesome. Good, man. It was really good. Wow. Yeah. Now that one was a dessert. That's a dessert. Yeah, beer, I bet. <laughs> It was good, man. It was really good. Well, thanks so much, Lamar, for bringing us this here co-beer. That co-beer is pretty co. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very portery. Really good stuff. Good stuff right there. Now, Steve, the subject of our show today is Skirmy. 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 And this movie concerns a feller what goes up to a little cottage to, to do himself a little writing retreat. He's going to get some ideas. He's going to work on his books, work on his literature. Mm-hmm. He seems to have a little case of that writer's block, and that's one of those things, Steve, that I don't think there's an artisan alive that hasn't hit themselves a spot of bother and encountered some writer's block. You're a writing man. I'm a music writing man. I know that we both had a little bounce of this. So, Steve, I say before we get into the movie review, how about we just take ourselves a nice little detour into the preview palace. Hey, oh, man, I can't. uh, Let's see. What should I do here? Oh gosh, uh, gotta do something. Mm, think fast. Think, think fast. fast. Okay. Uh, uh, uh Remember, use yes and. Uh, um, yes and the preview palace. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nailed it. Improv. Woo! Improv. Yes. Nailed it. I like it. Big fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, let's just kind of talk to each other here about the ways that we help ourselves through them old writer's block. Steve, I've been working on working. getting myself a story going right here. I've got an idea. It's about a princess and th- uh, a castle, and there is a, mm-hmm. a plumber that has to rescue her from a dragon. Right. This is just Rob Zombie's Super Mario Brothers, right? This is okay. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we went over that a couple weeks ago, I guess, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's still so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I might need a little help just kind of getting the gears moving here and figuring out how I can get this thing going, Steve. What do you recommend for an aspiring auteur like myself? Uh, well, I mean, there's a whole lot of things I would recommend, but I mean, the first thing I always recommend to everybody ever that I've ever had to tell how to write is free writing. Free writing? As in the kind of writing you don't pay for? Yeah, you first off, don't pay for it. Uh, and also, don't <laughs> think about it. 
Um, I've been paying for riding this whole time, Steve. Who have been giving my money away to? <laughs> it's it, if you just pay for riding, it goes to Stephen King. That's just it. <laughs> That's how it goes, right? They they get the they get the check and they're like, yeah, probably Stephen King's, I guess. <laughs> One of those fools doing some pay riding again. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so free riding. Here's the idea. Um, let's say you're a bad rider. As a, as a bad writer, probably about one in a hundred of your sentences will be good. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest will probably need editing and or a lot of work. That's just how it is. Good writer, probably one in ten. However, Ooh, that is. Good odds. Yeah. And an excellent writer, they'll probably write something down and be like, yeah, that's pretty fucking gold. Uh, free writing, the idea is no matter what level of writing you're on you you got a whole bunch of shit inside of you just mm, yeah, real a lot of shit. bad writing inside of you and if you don't get it out you can't get to the good stuff okay you got to flush out the old pipes there is what you're saying yeah yeah you got to get the garbage out so free writing mm, right. is is that basically you set yourself a time limit and you start writing that's it Hmm. You don't write. You, is, is it like pen never never leaves the paper. It never you just leaves go? the paper. You never you never cross anything off. You never stop writing. If you don't, if you can't think of anything, you just write. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. If you think it's stupid, you th- you write. This is stupid. I don't know why Steven said to do this. There's no fucking way this will ever work or whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Just write it all down and write until the time limits up. What's that gonna do for me, Steve? Uh, it one it'll get the garbage out. Two, it gets you going. It works right. every fucking right. time. I swear it works. It, it might not get you uh, working on the project you want to work on. That That's something that requires a lot of discipline and stuff, but it'll get you working, which is an important part of writing. Yeah, and I, and I totally get what you're saying because... I remember like back when I was a kid and I was doing art just for fun. It's like I would sit down and like my my inspiration to work on some stuff would usually strike me in the evenings and stuff. So I'd always be like, okay, it's evening time. I feel inspired. I'll do some some drawing or whatever. Right. And whenever I started going to college for art and it was like, hey, it's time to wake up at 8 a.m. and go paint. Yeah. I was like, well, I can't do that. I work in the evenings. That's how it's always worked. That's when the inspiration hits me. Same. And I was like, I can't do this. But then the thing is, is like whenever you just go in there every morning and it's like, well, dip your your paintbrush in something and get to work. Start doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. And you realize like, oh, actually, the ideas aren't really on a timeline. Right. I'm just I have more ideas at that time. Probably the most effective time to work. But I could work any time if I sit down and do it. Yeah. Totally, man. Yeah, I get it. That's that's exactly what I experienced whenever I had to like work on a schedule that was not what I was comfortable with. You're right. It just kind of gets the old gears turning. What What do you do, Ben? What do you do when you can't do anything? You know, I've had those moments where I'll be like, I need to work on me a tune. And then just ain't no tunes coming out. Where'd the tunes go? I've still got all the same notes. I've got all of them, but they're just not coming up my fingertips. Oh, no. What to do, right? Hmm. Well, the truth of the matter is, at least, you know, from the perspective of, of being a musician and stuff like that, you don't always have to be creative. Right. Okay. And what I mean by that is, like, 
whenever I have moments where I'm on a creative streak, it's usually like 24-7. I'm just like churning out ideas and stuff and it's nonstop. Right. But then every now and then the tap just gets shut off. It might be because life got in the way. It might be because, you know, you have some deadlines and obligations to meet or whatever. But every now and then the tap just shuts off. And I remember early on in my days being like, oh no, like my, my creative days are gone. Like the tap will never open back up. I hope yeah. I wrote all my songs because they're not coming back. It always comes back. Yeah. It always comes back. You know, it's not that far away from me. You just can't see it at that moment. And I try to use that time when I'm not feeling creatively productive to be physically productive just by practicing. Just yeah. do exercises and things like this. Work on things that aren't necessarily creative. Work on perfecting the body while the mind is taking a rest. So, even if like I don't feel mega inspired to like play music and write songs and stuff like that, I'll still pick up the guitar and bust out the metronome and get my hands in great shape. That way, whenever the ideas come back, I have the ability to execute them. Yeah, yeah. I I think uh, I mean there there are exercises you can do in writing just beyond like music in writing physically exercises you can do that are really good ideas like just finding writing prompts that you know things that aren't your idea things that Mm -hmm. you know somebody else came up with the initial idea and now you're just playing it out like okay how would this play out what what would i think would happen in this story um you know and maybe that never becomes anything but it's just practice it's it's about like getting better at thinking a story through or in your case, mm-hmm. playing a song, learning. I was going to ask you what you thought work. about like the the writing prompt thing because that's also something that I mean, obviously, because I've never been into like writing and stuff like that. I never really knew about it until recently, but yeah, it's something that I've actually practiced with my students and stuff for years. And this is like a really fun exercise. Hey, free little free little music lesson for you guys out Uh-oh. there. Try this out because it's seriously amazing. But you could do the same thing if you're writing a script or a book or whatever it is that you're working on, but. Okay, let me put it to you this way. Norman Rockwell, beloved American painter, as wholesome as apple pie. Sure. You've seen his illustrations your whole life. Just a lot of wholesome-ass shit. Do you know how he got so good at making, like, pretty photorealistic portraits of people? How do you do that? He traced photographs. Oh, okay. He put photographs on a light board and put tracing paper over them, and he would trace them. He would learn how to make the form by copying somebody else's form that was already made. Uh And I know that in a creative field, that immediately just sounds like I'm saying, oh, rip somebody off. Mm, Yeah. But the thing is, is yes, even though we're doing something creative that is art, it still has structure the same way that a building is built off of a blueprint. It must have structure or else it falls down. And if you were an architect... If you're studying to learn how to create the best buildings and homes and stuff like this, and your mentality was, I'm just going to go out there and create something. Don't you want to study anybody else's blueprints? No, that's uncreative. Do you see how dumb that that's sounds? That's ridiculous, yeah. Sounds really stupid. Yeah. Because you'll end up creating a bunch of shit that's going to fall down. And instead, if you would have like studied somebody else's blueprints, even for just a minute, you'd been like, oh, that's a good starting point and I can take it from there. So as an example of that, Something I do with my students all the time is if they're stuck on those, you know, um, they hit that writer's block and they're getting stuck on something that they're working on, I kind of tell them to take 
a song that you think functions well. And again, you could do this with a story or whatever. Right. Uh, take a song that you think functions well. Let's say Smells Like Teen Spirit. Mm-hmm. Listen to the song and write out on paper what's happening in that song. So it's like part one, clean guitar riff. Part two, same riff, but it's aggressive. Drums come in, right? Mm-hmm. Part three, simplified bass riff, vocals come in, song gets quiet. Yeah. You know, like, write out on paper what is happening, and then write your version of how that song goes. I'm not saying copy the tempo. I'm not saying copy the key. Uh, I'm saying, like, if I handed you that on a sheet of paper and I didn't tell you it was Teen Spirit and told you, hey, write this song, how would you write it? And I've done this many times in my own tunes, just studied the blueprint of something that I think works really well, literally written out on paper how every section of it feels on an energy level and feels on a emotional level, you know, crazy verse, happy chorus, whatever it is. And then I say, okay, write this song. And sometimes you start writing that song and you realize like, oh, it would have been better if you would have gone this direction instead. Yes. And then it really becomes yours at that point. Absolutely. Yep. And like I said, it's like, you know what I mean? People think that's like, oh, you can't do that. It's uncreative. You're stealing. No, you're not. No, it's not. We're building things. We're studying each other's blueprints, man. That's just, it works. Yeah. I, that actually goes into what I was going to say on my, my second point here is, is, is don't just read, watch or, or listen to things you need, you need to, like, if you're, you're in a, a state of like just creative stall uh, reading or, or watching or, or listening to things can really get those juices flowing but you, you're not gonna get anywhere by just sitting down and reading books or just sitting down and watching movies or tv shows you, you're only gonna get somewhere if you're actually looking beyond the surface like you were talking about just now if you're looking at how do these things work like how yeah. in this scene why why is it tense what what is making the tension that I'm feeling when these two characters are in this moment. Is it the music? Is it what they're saying to each other? Is it the interaction they've been having before? Yeah. After it. Yeah. Like really study the things like a lot of writers get stuck in just what they would call research, which is just watching movies or watching TV or reading, like really looking at these things, but they're not, they're not efficient at looking beyond the surface and trying to understand how these things function. So you got to mm-hmm. get really good at recognizing the way things function. And that that comes by taking them apart. That really yep. comes by just looking at how something works, seeing how each uh, cog in it comes together, and seeing the flaws and where you could improve it. Yep, that's exactly right. And that doesn't make it not creative or not, oh, it's not coming from your third eye, man. Yeah, we're we're all just telling the same stories over and over. What is it? It's like man versus man, man versus God, man versus nature, and a bunch of monsters get together and form a squad. Like, those are the only... We're the monster squad. Yeah, those are the only stories. The monster squad is the only story. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, all stories are just... The Monster Squad through different prisons. Exactly. We all know this. The Wolfman has an arts. <laughs> or does he? Yeah, that, oh. that's going to be my... Uh, I'm going to write a screenwriting book, perfect for someone who hasn't sold a screenplay. 
I'm going to write a screenwriting book and it's going to be titled The Wolfman Has Nards and it'll be all about the monster squad genre, of course. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, includes Lethal Weapon. What? How? That's true. Yeah, you're right. I think that it does. <laughs> it does. And Steve, that brings by an interesting question. A little just side detour right here. This is a question that was brought up over on our friends uh, on the Sailor Satan podcast show. They were talking about werewolves recently, and I just want to get your opinion on this, Steve. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? I got a hard werewolf question for you. I'm ready for this. Wolfman, werewolf, man dick, or red rocket dog dick? Ooh. What do you think? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, Wolf Cop kind of already solved this, right? Really? I haven't seen that. Well, watch Wolf Cop. <gasps> I'm going to find out what the downstairs mix-up situation is, aren't I? <laughs> but I, I would say, I mean, what happens is, is in some, is they basically shed their skin and become something else. And in others, they grow their hair out. So in some, I would think... Like lipstick dog dick. Others, I would think, like <laughs> hairy human dick. <laughs> That's the real lipstick demon right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to get your input on that, Steve. And I'll tell you what, man, like one more tip that I know that I have up my sleeve to help people yeah. through this stuff is a tip that was laid on me by this really handsome educated guy that i do a podcast with oh my gosh you do another podcast no 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 i do a podcast with hollywood steve (gasps) that's me Uh, you that's a you and you laid some advice on me a long time ago that i believe you picked up from a dan Harmon called write the shitty version yep i had that written down too because it's the best uh, advice i've ever gotten yeah it's uh, seriously it's amazing. Like you just yeah. write the bad version. Like just st- like if you're really in a a state where your writers just you're just completely blocked up, just go like, oh, what would some stupid idiot write? Like, oh, the yep. stupid idiot was like, oh, I'm broke down on the side of the road, and then a person pulls up, and it's a creepy dude, and then he kills her, and then there's credits, and then like. Just do that. Then you realize, like, oh, you wrote a story. Yeah, you, you just something. wrote a full fucking story making fun of it. <laughs> Fine. <Yeah>. Whatever. <laughs> but you're able to do that when your whole expectation is to do the shitty version. Yes. Like, when your expectation is to sit down, you're like, I'm going to write The Wall by Pink Floyd. I'm going to write Stairway to Heaven. Like, that's not going to fucking happen. If that's your expectation going into it, that's not happening. Like, do you think Jimmy Page is like, I'm going to write the greatest rock song ever and sat down and wrote Stairway to Heaven? That's not how that worked. No. They stole the song as we know, and then the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you sit down and you have that expectation of perfection, it's never going to happen. You're going to spend all that time second guessing and twiddling your thumbs and waiting for the inspiration to hit you. Whereas if you're just like, I don't know, I'm just going to write like, the the bag serial Kmart version of the wall by Pink Floyd. Right. You're gonna get something done. Yeah. And getting something done is is huge for getting over the writer's block. Because a lot Ooh, of writer's yeah. block is feeling like you're not getting anything done. Mm-hmm. And yep. just getting it done. I mean it, the story doesn't have to get her done. Yeah, the story, the song, whatever <laughs> it is, just it doesn't have to matter. It doesn't have to be something you're gonna develop fully. It, but it may be like at the end of writing your stupid version, you may look at it and go like, 
Well, I guess if you change this and this, this is actually a pretty exactly. good story. See, that's my thing is like if you can sit down and write the shitty version and identify you're looking back on it, what made it shitty, then you also inherently know what will make it good. Yeah, exactly. So perfect advice. Just write the yep. shitty version. Write the shitty version. It's helped me out a ton. I mean, and that goes into like writing songs as well as like, you know, putting together videos and stuff like that too. I'll, I'll sit and really overanalyze like, oh man, if I went from this shot to this shot or if I explained right. this and this and this and this and just eat up tons of time and never get anything done but a lot of times whenever I sit down and I'm just like, I don't know, what's the shit version of this video? Well, I do this, this, this. And they're like, oh, well, there's there's an outline, actually. And uh, then, like I said, I can identify what I can do to make it better. It really is some of the best advice I've ever heard. And that's that's Dan Harmon, right? Yeah, yeah, Dan Harmon. Uh, he said that on an episode of Harmontown, and it, it really blew my mind. So mm-hmm. check it out. Do Try it. that one out. Steve, you got any more tips for our aspiring artists out there? Um... <laughs> Well, this one, I guess, is it's uh, it's not nice to hear, but it's true. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> like, who gives a shit? Nobody does. Like, here's the thing. Like, we uh, we made a podcast for a year before uh a number of people were listening. Some people make podcasts for years without getting to, you know, a hundred listens an episode. Um, it's, it's, it's really not, it's not about immediate success or an immediate audience or whatever. It's, it, it is about becoming better in your field. So like, when you sit down to write, everything's not the next Citizen Kane, or it's it's not. It, don't put all that pressure on yourself because people really don't care that much. And a lot of times, it's the imperfections and stupidity of things that make yeah. it appealing, dude. Yeah. Like most of our favorite YouTube stars and stuff like that are just fucking idiots that set up a camera yes. that aren't some kind of super genius or whatever. It's oftentimes the flaws that make it good. Yeah, you don't have to be great at something to succeed at it. Like, just... That's like the white man's credo. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And that is what this movie really gets at. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) That's the thing, though, is that, like, the the greatness comes as you go. Like, think of all the, the bands that made it when they were, like, 19 and 20 years old. Like... That wasn't the height of their talent. That was just the time when they got popular. Like, they probably are all better musicians 20 years later, but less popular because their popularity was at a time when they were a a bit immature. Doesn't really matter, though, because they made money off of their talent, which is the Mm -hmm. purpose of, of going into these things, is being able to exist off of your talent. Exactly, and Load and Reload by Metallica are not bad albums. Just go back and listen to them. Don't expect thrash metal, right. and you'll enjoy them. The production is fantastic. Those drums sound colossal. I mean, like, people just... I, I think the thing is, like, people put the whole world on their shoulders. Like, I'm going to be the next whatever. You don't have to be the next whatever to make a paycheck doing what you love. Yeah. Just like you got to admit to yourself if you love it or not. If you sit down to write and you never write anything ever, you don't love writing. You love sitting down. 
<laughs> Just having a sit for a spell. Yeah, that's fine. But it's it's time to admit that to yourself. It's time to admit, like, I am not interested in pursuing this creative endeavor. I'm interested in not having a shitty job or whatever. Like, those are mm-hmm. all fine things to admit to yourself. And if you do admit that to yourself, doesn't even mean that you have to stop writing. In fact, you can become a better writer by admitting to yourself you don't want to be the next big artistic mind. You just want yeah. to make some money in the field. Points you in a direction, at least. It gives you somewhere to go to. Drive the car towards something. Yeah, you, know? you can then look at the genre and be like, okay, what are the generic conventions? Uh, I'll follow those to a T. There you go. People buy that book. Fuck. Hell yeah. You got you got the next Twilight on your hand. Do you think Stephanie Meyer cares that we don't like her books? Yeah. I wouldn't care if I were her. I, I do. She <laughs> listens, and I've gotten some very sensitive emails from her explaining how it's like, guys, that was kind of hurtful. Right. Kind of hurtful, guys. <laughs> but the better question is, do we care? Fuck no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think a lot of writer's block, yeah, is is just getting over that and saying, like, what, what do I want to do? What is my goal? And, and pursue that and just embrace it. Don't fucking feel bad because you're writing uh romance novels or whatever mm-hmm. but if they make you money write your romance novels well there you go man i think those are all pretty damn solid tips for people i think that really just studying the blueprints writing the shitty version making yourself do the work mm-hmm. even if you don't feel like it yeah it is amazing what comes out with a little bit of of self-discipline and i know that you know being a, a free-spirited artist type like right. myself like talking about using your creative uh, output in a disciplined, scheduled way. That sounds super lame, but man alive, it it works. Right. It really, really yeah. does. Yeah, you know? I mean, creativity is not sex. Like, sure, scheduled sex is, is sad, but scheduled creativity is how you get work done. <laughs> yep, that's true, man. Well, I hope that helps you guys out in your quest to creativity as dead and lovely listeners. And it's at this point that I would like to remind you, if you want to help support our creative endeavors, there's a number of ways you can do so. You can do it for free by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or wherever the hell else Mm -hmm. you can review a podcast. I think we only got like one new review in October. That's pathetic. We got a ton of listens, so I'm cool with the listens. But go, go tell everybody how great we are. We give, we give, we give. We, we just want a little bit in return. And you can also give us a little in return by supporting us on Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head over there, become a patron on any level. You get uh, access to the Patreon exclusive episodes. $5 patrons, you get to submit a movie title for the random drawing each month. Yeah. And then we, we cover whatever movie we draw. And we also just pick movies from out of that bowl randomly all the time to cover. So become a patron. Drive this car. Yeah, that's right. Baby, you can drive my car. <laughs> well, hey there, Steve. Hey. What does a guy call his best friends? Uh, is, uh, is this a joke? I don't know what. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a funny one. It's a funny one. His testies, besties, of course. What? Steve, Halloween is right around the corner, and you don't want to spook someone with your creepy bush. You want balls so clean, it's scary. Uh, I mean, it's scary good, though. 
<laughs> scary good, yeah. Not like scary like, oh, God, what's going on there? <laughs> Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Oh, my Lord, we're bringing technology to the sack. Ben, I know you are a, you are a manscaper yourself. I, I am as well. Uh, and Ben, I have had in the past some atrocious occurrences oh, while Lord using a trimmer on my downstairs area. In Ooh. fact, I've had some bloody experiences. Oh, Lord of mercy. Nobody wants no part of that. No, no, you don't. And I know some of you out there thinking, it's a, it's a crazy old time. I don't even get out ever. Why do I need to manscape? Let me tell you this. When you look good, you feel good. Mm. And when your boys look good, boy, do they feel good. I'll tell you that. You're doggone right. You're doggone right, Steve. Just because you're in quarantine don't mean you don't need to be clean, y'all. But, Steve, let me let you in on a little secret here because I know we got a lot of listeners on the show here that are saying, but, Ben, but, Steve, I ain't got no balls of my own. I don't need this manscaping. Let me tell you what, ladies. This can be for you, too, because I'm going to tell you what. You can get this thing and take advantage of using that up before somebody creates Womanscaped and starts charging you three times as much for the same stuff. Y'all know how this works. Listen to me, dead and lovelies. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. What's in there? You get the lawnmower 3.0 for lawn mowing your nards area. It's skin safe. I used it. No tugs, no nicks. I enjoyed it. You can even create a little less mess by using that thing in the shower or getting one of those magic mat disposable shaving mats they got. Catch all that hair as it drops. And let's not forget about the crop preserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant, do what? And moisturizer. This is amazing. You're putting deodorant on your armpits. Get some deodorant for your balls. What else are you going to get in that perfect package 3.0? Some anti-chafing performance boxer briefs i don't know how they've done it it's time to get this perfect package 3.0 get clean like mean jeans bald head get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code dead 20 that's d-e-a-d two zero at manscaped.com so this is dead and lovely for manscaped saying wash your hands and your ass and trim your junk your balls will thank you and so will the people that love your balls well, Steve, we're here today to be talking about Skirmy, which is a Shudder exclusive movie. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It, their distribution's on Shudder. It is. Uh, it's been up since October first. So, fresh out the kitchen, fresh out the box. And I'm here to tell you guys too: we are not sponsored by Shudder. We have never seen a dime from Shudder. Yeah. We have both given Shudder many dimes because yeah, that's true. it's worth it. Yeah. We are sponsored by Manscaped, though. Head on over there. Use our promo code DEAD20. That's right. Get you 20% off. All kinds of goodies (laughs) and stuff. But Shudder is awesome, man. I mean, it's It's like five bucks a month, and you get access to all kinds of, especially like international flicks and stuff, as well as this original content that they put out, which they've had some good stuff, man. This movie is one that you mentioned because you watched it like two weeks ago or so, Yeah, yeah. I watched it early in in October, and I... I, um, it, it was one I, I saw it up for a few days. Each time I saw it, I was like, that's Aya Cash. I'm going to watch that for sure. Huge fan of Aya Cash. She's a great actress and also a, a huge crush on her. She, oh, yeah. She, she draws me in immediately, so I, I started watching it. 
and uh, I, I was just, I automatically liked it. It was like silly from the beginning. And like the just the interaction with the the Lyft driver, or Uber driver, or whatever, and then like his first interaction with Fanny. Oh, uh, by the way, for our British listeners, we're gonna be saying Fanny a lot. <laughs> That's and true. Let me just yeah. let me just tell you, I love Fanny. Fanny is my favorite. I just want to be inside Fanny. Fanny. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's right. I, I've even got a Fanny pack. <laughs> There by the door. Sometimes I'm heading out. I just stick my keys and my wallet right in, in my fanny, fanny yeah. and hit the streets for a bit of fanny fun. <laughs> That's right. That's just fun. Yay. Yeah. Anyway. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was really drawn in immediately and glad I watched it when it was over because it's, it's very unique. Yeah. So you like you didn't really tell me much about yeah, it. Yeah, I and didn't want to I'm glad that you anything. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, just to keep myself totally in the dark, I didn't watch any trailers for this. I didn't even read the description. Yeah. I just made sure that I was watching the right one. Mm-hmm. There's multiple yeah, there's, movies called Scare Me. There's another one called Scare Me, which is an anthology, which um, has a really cool poster. I haven't seen it, and it's on Amazon Prime. So, yeah. uh, if you see, if you if you're looking for the one we're doing, it is only on Shutter. So, Shutter exclusive. Yeah. So. Uh, you can watch the other one if you want. Please report to us. What's it like? I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, because I wonder about that. Because it's also kind of funny that you mentioned that it's an anthology. Because this kind of is too. Kind we'll, of? we'll get into that as yeah. we go here, man. But like, I, I had no idea what to expect getting into this movie. And yeah, if if you're listening, like, don't let us spoil it for you. Just I would recommend watching it. I'm just gonna say out yeah, front, like, yeah, here, I'd here. Stop I recommend right watching here and go watch it because it is definitely not something you want spoiled. It's not like there's a big twist. It's just like the entirety of the movie, honestly. Yeah, the entire experience is really unique. Yeah. And I think even like if on paper I wrote it down or if I tried to explain to someone what this movie is, yeah. it would sound really fucking terrible. It would sound so <laughs> yeah. boring. I can yeah, I can definitely see the pitch for this uh the on the other side of the table them just being like, uh-huh. And, and how's this gonna work? Right? Like, what do you mean? But yeah, so uh, it's a storytelling anthology sort question mark? Of, yeah. Yeah. The the entire concept is that uh this this guy uh, played by Josh Rubin, the writer director, who's a very funny dude, great at impressions. Uh, he plays a guy named Fred who's gone up to a cabin to get away from his problems, and he runs into Fanny Addy, who is uh, 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 she wrote a book called Venus, which is about uh, a zombie plague that only affects women, and it's a bestseller. And they run into each other, and they're staying in cabins near each other. And they get together because they're bored and they decide to tell each other scary stories. Which the power went out. Yeah, which sounds like the setup for the wraparound story for an anthology that would then cut to the different, you know, shorts. Stories they're telling, right. But instead of doing that, it is actual storytelling that yeah. is so effective that you don't need the visual. I mean, they give you some of the visual, but you're always just seeing... These two, or later, uh, when Chris Red shows up, the pizza guy, three people acting out this story with like very limited effects and stuff. It's 
And how Very can that creative. be good? Yeah, how like, can that be good? When you say that right? on paper, yeah. you're like, the whole movie is two and at times three people telling each other scary stories. It never cuts away to the story. It's like different right. actors and stuff like that. You're literally just watching them tell stories. How can that be any good? And it would have been so easy for this to be fucking terrible. It like, would have it, been. This could have been so boring. Yeah, yeah. Watch. With bad, with bad acting, with poor directing, poor writing. This, it, I mean, because the stories require not just really good writing on the page, but really good storytelling by the actor. Yeah, this is one of those that you can tell everybody was on the same page right. as far as like the movie that they created. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, that that works because I th- of the small cast. Like you're able to have much more control with such a small cast over uh, who you bring in, and you know, bringing in Aya Cash is perfect. I mean, she she has a, a theater background and stuff, so you, this is you know very theatrical and playing to an audience uh, in a way that that a film normally doesn't but it works in the film because you know there is an audience it's the person who's listening to the story this time it's i i i mean i can't say enough about how unique and interesting it is me too yeah because like in a lot of ways the way this movie played out to me and it was probably like halfway through the movie i have in my notes like is this an anthology (laughs) like is it because it's just kind of like story to story to story without a lot of stuff going on in between these tales that they're sharing with well, each other. I would say there's a lot of stuff because there's a whole tale running through about him and her and their tension and stuff. Like, it's, yeah. it's not a lot of activity, but there's a lot going on. Like, it's it's so perfectly nuanced throughout that, like, even small things in the story are telling a, a second story that's running throughout. Like where he'll snip at her, she'll snip at him, and like it, it's rising the tension between them that yeah. builds to the final s- story question mark. Yeah, question mark. Yeah. It's really, it's really weirdly effective, and what it plays like to me is an anthology movie, like a yeah. like a creep show mm-hmm. or a you know a Tales from the Hood or something like that, yeah. where you get to stay there as the person tells that story. Like right. it made me think about Tales from the Dark Side where you got the kid in the oven uh-huh. and all that stuff and he's telling stories to like try to buy time and it's like, but then what if he just stayed with that kid? Yeah, like of how did he away? tell the story? Yeah. Yeah. And it also made me really want a movie <laughs> that's like a version of Tales from the Hood where you got <laughs> the gangsters that are going there yes. to get the shit. And it's just that guy telling the story. Clarence Williams, right? Uh, Clarence Williams, yeah. yeah. Like, I want that movie that just stays with him. I would love to see him telling those stories. That would be intense as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so cool in this movie because you stay with the narrator as they tell their segment of the anthology, but also you're kind of there with the person that's listening. Like, they're the audience the same as you, and they are making comments and critiques about the story the same as you are so this is okay i want to talk about this because this is this movie is is meta in so many levels basically what you're watching is a writer's room you're watching them workshop the story as they're playing out the story 
Yeah. So which usually as a as a watcher, you just see the final product. Right. Yeah. So you're seeing the creativity going into it as well, and the you know, like you you also see how she is better at this than him. Like it's constantly oh, yeah. proven how she is not only uh, better at coming up with ideas, but better at fleshing them out. Better at uh, recalling things from uh, earlier in the the story and bringing them back like better at integrating all the ideas that that come up in the sort of brainstorming sessions like she's so much better at it uh but the the meta element there where they're they're basically showing the development of the story is also playing into the meta element where they they mention horror movies like They'll be like, it's Tons, like this, yeah. like this, you know, or like, you know, they'll ha- he has the line from Jaws, basically. And yeah, they talk about the Crypt Keeper. They talk, talk about, about the Crypt, the Crypt Keeper, Keeper yeah. the Keeper of an anthology movie. Exactly. Even. Yeah. So like, and they both do great impressions of him, yes. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, I really like I enjoyed that meta level as well, where it's like this is a this is a world where all those horror movies exist. And basically what it, like, I was thinking about it, it is, it's a strange type of meta where it sets up a world that's exactly like our own. So does it lose the meta? Like, is it gone past meta? Like, is it like post meta? I don't know. And that's the thing that's weird about it too, is like, okay, in this world, obviously The Shining exists. Yeah, exactly. It does like exactly. a impression right. stuff. But then at the same time, and this is also, you know what, now that I think about it, maybe this is a testament to how he's just kind of a shitty writer. Whenever the pizza guy shows up later, the pizza company is the Overlook Pizza Company. Right. Did you notice that? Uh-huh. But he doesn't notice that. Right. Like, I feel like a real Shining fan he's would notice that. He's not very perceptive. That. She's extremely, like, they show that where, like, he's looking for the address when they order the pizza, and he's, like, looking all over. He walks right yeah. past it. She just sees it and picks it up, like... He's not very perceptive. He's not very good, like reading people and stuff. Like he's he doesn't have the talents you expect from a writer. <laughs> so yeah, like, well, it's also made clear too that like he's like, well, when you write for what is it, wing joints? And yeah, he's doing advertising, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get the impression he's not really like written written he just identifies himself as a writer he just kind of assumes well, i mean yes yeah, i can write i'm a writer i mean ad writing is is definitely like he's he is a he doesn't consider himself a professional writer but technically he is but it is like not an entirely creative field like yeah a lot he sees of, himself as being like her yeah a lot of advertising writing is choosing pre-formed phrases that are approved through like computer algorithms and things like yeah it's it's not as oh yeah not Not knocking it it's a science of its own yes it is but then that's the thing is it's interesting because he then says about her that what she does isn't rocket science and it's like okay maybe not but you're not good at it yeah why don't you do it that's the thing that always kills me about like you know people critiquing about bands and stuff like that where they're like oh man it's pop songs simple blah 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 and it's like dude if it's that simple, why aren't you fucking doing it? Do it. Yeah, there's a lot of money Go in it. Go make your money. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I uh, uh, will regularly tell people, if you don't like our podcast, 
go make the better version of it. Make the better version of yeah. it. Yeah. You, you, you don't do have better, to tell you us. Probably can. Don't do tell it. us how to improve our podcast. We're not going to do it. <laughs> this is the <laughs> podcast you get. That's the yeah. one we made. <laughs> It's worth what you spent on it, guys. Yeah, Come on. exactly. Uh, yeah, like if you <laughs> if you look at something and say that's not rocket science, but then you don't sit down and do it, might as well be magic. Like it might as yeah. well be like rocket science. It is the most complex thing in the world because you don't do it. So I didn't recognize anybody from this movie. Okay. I think that Carlo, the pizza guy, I've seen him on like a few SNL sketches. He but... is on an SNL, yeah. He's uh, a regular. Yeah. Uh, so who are the other people in this? It's like a four-person movie, yeah. basically. So, okay, Aya Cash probably has the most credits of, of everyone. She, she's got a lot of credits. She was in, um, most recently, like Wolf of Wall Street, uh, You're the Worst. She was the star of that, which is great. She plays Stormfront on The Boys. Uh, she's awesome. Love Aya okay. Cash. So funny. So talented. Uh, Josh Rubin, who is the writer, director. Um, he And also Fred. Also, yeah, plays Fred. He did uh, a ton of stuff with College Humor. Also has directed episodes of like Adam Ruins Everything and a lot of other television stuff. Okay. Uh, and he's, he's working on a video game about werewolves. So that was probably awesome. where that came from. <laughs> Uh, that's cool okay yeah so josh rubin though i've heard on pete holmes's podcast you made it weird a couple times very funny guy uh really good at impressions okay yeah check him out i believe it funny dude. he is like a damn cartoon character yeah in this movie yes he is <laughs> very animated chris red as you said snl he's also uh um, pop star never stop never stopping he was in a scene uh with your boy Right here. I was going to say, you mean that movie you're in? Yeah. Uh, maybe you recognized my back from one Woo. of the concert scenes. That's right. Woo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Homie's got back, the I ladies mean, say. Chris Red, he may have been getting a little more attention in that scene because he was on the stage and you could see his face. But, you know, I was in it. Um. <laughs> Made the scene, dude. Made it. But uh, recently he was in uh, Joker and also Vampires vs. the Bronx, which I talked about a few weeks ago. So, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the the other person we have is Bettina, our uh, Uber, Lyft, whatever driver. And uh, she'd been in, in a few things, but she, most importantly, was a writer for Key and Peele. So, oh, hilarious really? person. Yes. I did not know that, man. All that I knew about her character, was, I was like, oh, I've been in this Uber yes, so many so times. fucking many times. Dude, so many times when it's like I've just had a crazy fucking busy week on the other side of the country. I'm flying back home. I've had like literally zero sleep and you get into a cab with a guitar case and your driver's like, oh, I play guitar sometimes uh, too. You ever, oh, no. You, you ever heard of John Mayer? <laughs> I um, have, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh he he plays kind of like this other guy Stevie Ravon. If you've ever heard Stevie Ravon, <laughs> uh he kind of gets some ideas from him. Plays a Fender. Uh, I have a Fender. It's blue. I have a blue Fender. A blue Fender. What color is your Fender? Do you have a Fender? Like fuck, I've been in that Uber. Yeah. So fucking many times. <laughs> blue has the best tone, I think, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You can hear it in the sound yeah. of the notes. <laughs> I yeah, um living in LA we took a lot of lifts and Ubers, and we met some interesting individuals. One time we got into a lift, and uh, Emily noticed that the guy's clock was wrong, 
and having a, a, a good bit of OCD, she had to mention it to him. And then we had to, for 30 minutes, listen to him explain his theories on time and how, <laughs> like, oh my, and it, it, it was, it was only helped more by Emily's natural curiosity. So like she had to keep, keep digging, s- sort of digging to try Cause so, like, he was like, oh no, no, that's 17 minutes fast. Cause I, if I'm not 15 minutes early, then I'm late. And we were like, oh, okay. So it's, why is it 17 minutes fast? And he's like, well, I just remember the other two minutes. We were like, oh, all right. <laughs> and Emily was like, wait, but doesn't your phone have the correct time? And he was like, yeah, but I remember that 17 minutes slow. <laughs> what? God, this guy's got a system. <laughs> no, and that's the thing is I kept thinking after a while, like, he doesn't have a system. He just... Like, he's one of those people that you tell him that his clock is wrong, and he's like, no, it's not. Like, I, I can't let anything <laughs> be wrong. I couldn't. No, never. I couldn't just be like, oh, it is. Fix it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a complicated system. I'm forced to system. respect it, though. You know, it's like, as much as I dislike it, I am forced to respect it. Yeah, because I'm in the backseat of the car, and like, what are they going to do? <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They could drive it off a cliff yeah, with that so like, or something. Yeah, so. man. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like they get you in those conversations and you can't just be like, fuck, what? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hiring somebody to hold a gun to your head while getting right. you to a destination. Yeah. It's like, I'll talk about whatever you want to talk <laughs> yeah, about, buddy. <laughs> great. Okay. Yep. Cool. 17 minutes so that to blue 15 fender, minutes. Huh? To minus two, Whoa. right? Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite John Mayer solo? <laughs> oh. But Bettina, yeah, she's she is a perfect example of uh, reason why if you get into an Uber or Lyft, you don't want to say I'm a writer. Uh, just don't. Just don't say don't. what you do. Don't, yeah, yeah just don't, if you're, especially if you're in LA, don't say I'm an actor. Don't say I'm a writer. Don't say any of that stuff. Don't because they are too. They are too. My favorite move is the fake headphones move, where it's Ooh, just like yeah. even if you're not mm-hmm. listening, just pop the headphones mm-hmm. in. You look busy. <laughs> Big fan of that move right there, man. But it's funny how, like, her character sets up right away that this movie is going to have some whimsy and some comedic elements to it. And then it turns out that, like, she's the one that gets to really reap all the benefits at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. She gets she gets everything. Uh, and it it's a really funny moment because basically the movie... Is is dealing? I mean, other than dealing with gender politics and things like that, which we'll get into, it's dealing with like creativity and who is responsible for an idea, like who gets the credit for an idea when you, as a group, are talking about things and an idea is said, who does it belong to? Right, yeah, because it's like that scene where they're sitting around having pizza, and the yeah. pizza guy says like "ghoul school" or something yeah, like that. And she She's like, "Oh, I'm down. writing that down." Yeah, and and yeah. this is like part of his thing is like he he's constantly trying to find ways that she's not better than him, uh, and he he says that that's stealing. And uh, Carlo, Chris Red, uh, says, "I don't even care about it, man. Like, it's not." It's not a big deal to the person who came up with the idea. It's a big deal to the guy who wants the to be better than her but like yeah that's the thing the the, it's like what you were saying about like building off of framework that's already there like 
so much of what a writer does is observe people. So like if you really want to nail down a character, make it someone you know. <laughs> like yeah, make it someone you know well because then you can nail down that character. But then the question comes, where's the creativity there? Well, the creativity is in what you see in that person. It's how you spin it. How yeah. you spin it. It's like ghoul school doesn't mean anything. But no, you, it's just a title. Yeah. Like it's just a title he threw out. Exactly. But everybody at that table could sit down with that title and make a story out of it. And it could be different. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. It's just an idea. Like it's it, it really what she is constantly getting at with him is that it's about doing it. It's not about who's better, who's worse, or like who has the power, who doesn't. It's about sitting down and fucking doing it. And he doesn't, and she does. And she, like a true, you know, from from what I understand of most creative people that I've known in my life that are artists or musicians or whatever, like she's constantly farming everything around herself for inspiration. Yes. I mean, that's even kind of like what gets her into deep shit at the end of the movie is like, She's been writing down in her notebook there, like, ideas for a story based on what was happening with them that night. Yeah. And this fragile Fred guy and all this stuff. Like, I think that the the struggle that he has is that he sits down and just waits for ideas to pop in his head. Where right. she's looking around all the time, just farming inspiration from whatever's there. It's like, she's never off. Yeah. And I think that most people that are uber creative are like that, too. They're never off. Like, right. there's never work mode and not work mode it's just on all the time yeah because and he doesn't get that and that's the thing is like i mean there is a an element of success that is randomness when it comes to creativity and it is how your brain works uh and yeah. if your brain works in that way where not only not only are you looking for things in your daily life you're always seeing them. It's not even that you have to look for them. It's just that you see all this stuff around you and you write it down and you yep. remember it. And then when you need to say, recall it, let's say you want to tell a story where you're in a, a cabin uh, out in the woods, you have that memory and you have these notes you wrote down and you can recall that actual experience and write how that was. That is yeah. what writing is about, is about observing and then uh, conveying that through language, music, uh, visual imagery, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But he just can't seem to get that. No, like, he, he is yeah. nothing but jealous and envious of yeah. what he sees as someone living an easy life and living their dream and stuff. Yeah, and she obviously, it is not easy. She's doing no. so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's on all the time yes. like she's never not in writer mode yeah ever so like you know but he's never get, like that's the the great thing i think what's really good about this fred character about how he's written is his inability to see below the surface like we see that a few times in the stories where she's trying to like apply some depth to the story and he'll be like well you know but it's more it's more like it's just scary you know <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah it doesn't have to be some kind of subtext or anything yeah i like she she is capable of doing these things and he just doesn't 
have it. Like he doesn't ha- like he has some talent for sure. Cause as you, as you said, like he's, he's doing these impressions. He's like really good with his face. Like I, I think like when she says you're an actor, like, like she's trying to push him away. Like she's trying to be like you, like you do have that talent. You seem to be good at that. Like do yeah. that because you're not good at this. <laughs> That's true. It's not like the movie just shows him as this like worthless, functionless no, being. No, he's, he's just not really working on the right things that exactly. he's naturally got. Yeah, he he has a, a talent for acting that is shown throughout, but he he sees that as like childish like when he does the troll character like she like pushes him into doing something and then he does a character he did as a child which by the way most creative time of your entire existence is your childhood so like yeah good good place to go back to for things if you're looking for some inspiration but like he he reverts back to to childhood to that creative thing but he he's still not like as an adult and it's like it's like he's worn down by all these other things. Like he's worn down by his job. He's worn down by this terrible relationship that not, I mean, he's the problem for sure in the relationship. Not sure exactly how to deal with his relationship. He's, he's got some issues. This dude, like, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he, he's got a, what it, he, he tried to make a, a difference between a, what was it, a, a protection order and a, a restraining, restraining order. order. Yeah. And I don't know if there is much of a difference. Is there? Yeah, I have no idea, but he's just really explaining it away yeah. to make it not sound like he's at fault here. Yeah, so his old his old uh, uh, significant other has a protection order against him because he uh, called her a couple hundred times, sent her some really bad letters, and threatened to kill her. So he's not a good person. Like, even if we try to find his talent, which he does, he does have. He's he's just not a good person. And I I think like we get that he recognizes that at the end, where he just wants her. Like he falls onto that poker and he wants her to just finish him off. Like he gets that he's been the problem. He just wants to die. He doesn't want to deal with the repercussions of being shitty. Well, that's the thing that is really up for question for me about about the movie, and I think it was sort of meant to be left a little bit ambiguous yeah. there towards the end of the movie, but at the same time, as far as, like, is he a good guy who's been through some rough times, or is he, like, a shitty dude? There's little things if you watch the movie that really tip you off that's just like, oh, no, this guy is just kind of a shitty, entitled dude. Mm-hmm. Like, Whenever the driver is dropping him off earlier on in the movie and she drops him off at the house, he's like, oh, I, I don't have any money for a tip. Yeah. He pays the pizza guy in cash later. Yeah. Like, he so does he have, have money. money. Yeah. There's little stuff like that yeah. that kind of tips you off. And like you said, there's all this really vague thing, all these vague things going on with, like, his ex-wife. Yeah, and whether... That sound like really familiar stories of dudes that I've known in real life talking about yes. their matters with uh, their significant others and stuff. Yeah. And usually, if you're phrasing the story that way, usually you are the shithead, from my yeah, experience. Yeah, <laughs> You run into one asshole, you ran into an asshole, you run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's the case. Like, he's he's the problem he's the asshole he's the issue uh and he he i guess just 
pities himself more than trying to work on himself. He sees everyone else as getting everything handed to them and yeah. just sits and has pity parties. And I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, without a doubt, he like there is he's he's writing a character. Josh Rubin is writing a character that is this uh, stereotypical white guy that just yeah see like not knowing anything about it i was like is this an autobiography because like i hope not no it's not this guy it horrible. is not no josh Truman's <laughs> great dude seems very funny and, and, and a good guy so uh this this is definitely like reflecting some of that like uh you know toxic masculinity uh just white privilege type of stuff like he's he's the epitome of that he ex- kind of got that incel vibe. Right. And she even says that. Like, what are you, an incel dude? Whenever he's like, like, he keeps freaking out. And the thing is, like, she's being like, I, this just blows my mind. He is getting a intimate one on one writer's workshop with a best selling author. And he never seems to recognize it. That's the thing, dude. And I've, I've known so many artists and creatives and musicians and stuff that are the same fucking way that find themselves around people that are doing what they want to do and all they can say is, you're so lucky. And it's like, really? <laughs> Not luck. Are they? Not luck. Not luck, actually. Yeah, it's funny how often luck and extremely hard work <laughs> come together. Coincide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, there are some some there's bits, exceptions yeah there's some bits of luck to it too sometimes it's you got lucky to go to high school with the right person or know the right person or whatever sometimes there's luck to it but more often even even when there is that luck to it you have to at the moment the luck hits be talented like that's true you, yeah you, when that door opens you gotta have something yeah you it's not like i'll wait till the luck hits then i'll figure it out you gotta work at it till it hits and it may never hit. You may just have to drive and drive and drive until you make it work. It's it, There's nothing outside of hard work that's going to get you there. And yeah. he's definitely living in this fantasy where it's just going to come to him. And that's yeah. how he thinks it has happened to others. But It seems that way, yeah. yeah. But then I think the introduction of Carlo is what kind of drives him mad. Because Carlo is a, a pizza guy who, without even knowing what they're doing, tells a better story than he has told so, thus far. That's true. Yeah, he just kind of jumps in and yep. is immediately like into the story. He's like, yeah, I like horror movies. Let's let's tell a horror story or whatever. Yep. And is just right there with mm-hmm. him without even trying. And again, probably because like Carlo doesn't have the expectation of, I'm a writer. I need to write an amazing no. story that goes all these places. He He's just, like, I'm just going to jump in and play. Yeah, he just loves pizza. Like he he says yeah. that like he he you think I'd be tired of pizza but I love our pizza and then he's even got like a pizza watch he's just a pizza dude he likes pizza. <laughs> I love the pizza watch yeah. that was really good to me too he's just into pizza <laughs> like Carlo don't give a fuck <laughs> that's the best thing though is that he doesn't have any expectation he doesn't have anything there except raw talent and he's just letting it out he's a good storyteller. Yeah. he's not overthinking it he's just getting in there and and playing yeah. again there's that like childlike thing about creativity where it's just like i don't know just get in there and just try to keep up it doesn't matter that he's there you know essentially playing with this best-selling author that's one of his favorite authors and stuff he's just going to get in there and play and not overthink it because he doesn't identify himself as a writer therefore there's no expectations for him to write greatness yeah he's just going to get in and have fun yeah i think a lot of 
of maybe what they're getting at here is, and this is not an advantage that women or people of color have. It is, uh, it is something they have to deal with constantly is the intimidation of the world. Like the world Hmm. is uh, against them. It's set up against them. At least this country, most countries, I'd say the majority uh, are set up against them. So they have to face the world every day. So when it comes time to exploring their creativity, if they push out something with talent, they fucking go for it. Because who do they have to be afraid of? The world Mm. is against them. Now you just have a few people listening to you. It's like, so what? Like, what are y'all going to do? Nothing. It's, it's, there's no intimidation here. And that's something that I wondered about the movie as well, is the fact that like this guy who's just a totally seemingly average, you know, straight white dude yeah. has so much less material to draw from right. than a woman and a person of color. Right. It's like, well, he's probably had a lot less scarier experiences right. in his life. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a lot less real to him. I mean, she is playing all, like, like her story, her first story basically takes his story and makes it uniquely interesting like instead of a scary dog man which is an entire genre that already exists what if we have yeah. a scary dog a small yeah, dog scary dog of a man of a man grandpa. Yeah. like <laughs> what if, what if throughout there's tension building instead of the tension being there's gonna be a werewolf like she she is able to make his stuff better each time and really like improve any ideas he has and stuff like she she has so much more experience with fear and because of that the stuff he does that would normally be intimidating she stands up to and is not intimidated by she just continues to be in his presence even when you know she hears about this restraining order and you know he he's acting uh you know very aggressive towards her at times she's not intimidated she's dealt with this shit it's nothing new Mm -hmm. and it just seems to me like he rips off all of his ideas from other places and especially like the the women in the movie and stuff like even though he's riding in this uber Mm -hmm. with this driver that he sees as like annoying as fuck and like probably not a real writer like him. Right. She's talking about this story about Cora uh-huh. and stuff from the Bible. Like one of the first things that he does whenever he's trying to impress Fanny and talk about his writing is be like, I'm writing a, a story about Cora. Yeah. And he, like he looked it up ripping off that thing. Yeah. He was going to rip yeah. her off immediately. Yeah. And he, and I feel like even his whole setup of like, I'm going to go up to this, you know, snowy lodge up in the mountains to work on my writing right. and be alone and stuff it's like oh so you're doing the shining right it's like, nothing new nothing, nothing that he's doing is original right and yes he, he does shine like a jack nicholson impression as soon as he gets there so as soon as he gets yeah. there yeah he's just living out something else that he's already consumed yeah. yeah he's he is exactly yeah this this entitled lazy i want to be a thing so i should get to be it type of person and uh, yeah that's like where that message that our parents gave us 
of you know you can be anything you want to when you grow up like it kind of goes wrong yeah you're just sort of your average shitty dude that's like well i want to do this so uh why am i, I not the best at it already yeah well and it uh, honestly like uh the system is kind of set up for them to succeed anyway so like this is just a guy who already has a job in advertising wanting more <laughs> like he, yeah. he's not even content with the the job he already has and we see carlo later content to just have a job uh that's true he told us he told he asked him where he went to school and carlo says oxford oxford uh, <laughs> and that was hilarious and I, i'm wondering like one did he mean oxford in england two did he mean ole miss uh in oxford mississippi or three was he just fucking with him <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Anyway, the situation it was, it was, though, funny. he was just happy to be there. Yeah, just happy to be there. <laughs> I get the impression that Fred is just a total, a total man child. I mean, between yeah. him being jealous of, of Fanny, being jealous of Carlos, uh, being completely incapable of even like providing food for himself, like he's just eating like yeah. frozen dinners with his bare hands, like yeah. a fucking baby. Yeah, the whole movie. I get the impression that he is just pretty well worthless <laughs> yeah and i think yeah i think that is like the ending is that he he recognizes that too that's why he wants her to finish him off like it's just like well does he though or is he just completely gaslighting her because at the end of the movie i mean after he's really thoroughly terrorized her and stuff and he's like oh oh you know he falls on the stairs and he gets impaled with the poker and he's like I was only kidding the whole time. Uh, and she's like, I'm sorry. Like, he makes her feel bad for this thing that happened because of the things that he caused to happen. Yeah. Like, this is just total fucking shitty incel gaslighting bullshit, yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, but, I mean, that's the thing is he does want to die. <laughs> like, like that, that seems to be what comes out of him is that at the mm -hmm. end he does want to just die. Uh he does end up dying slowly and that's interesting too because as she like decides she's not going to kill him and starts walking away uh he says you win which uh is a reference back to the beginning where it's like scare me like he's saying he's scared now because oh, he's gonna yeah. die alone slowly Oh, shit. Yeah. See, I was just thinking it was like, oh, you know, if you win, I'll give you a notebook back. Like what he said earlier. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that goes back yeah. to you win the entire yeah. contest because <laughs> here I am dying alone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you win. It's interesting <laughs> that you watched Frankenstein because this, I think, also is is building off of the story of how Frankenstein came to be with uh with uh polidori oh, yeah. and uh, uh shelly and all of shelly uh, -huh. uh sitting around telling stories because it was the uh year without a summer uh completely dark during the summer and they were in a summer home with nothing to do just raining and they started telling stories right, and yeah. frankenstein came out of it as well as the first vampire tale uh the vampire by john polidori so it was a, a fruitful, Big night. scare me type of... I think they did it over a course of a few days. It was like, we'll do this. They separated, went and wrote their stories, and then came back. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Still like, though. I think there were, there were... Yeah. It was it was a big week, for sure. Uh, I think, yeah, they were doing some of that, and also The Shining, you know, writer going away to write and then not really getting any work done. I mean, that is something we kind of get from Jack Torrance's 
you know, how how much of a rider is he? Like, right. He never really writes anything. <laughs> yeah. The thing about his character is, like, even though he is, I mean, as we're saying, so, like, shitty and so pathetic and, and creepy and entitled in a lot of ways, I mean, he has moments in this movie where he really is... Yeah, funny. A damn funny. living cartoon character. Yeah. Like initially I found him like really annoying and just right. irritating. Yeah. And then every now and then, man, like he does stuff that is so just animated. Yeah. You know, like he really is embodying these characters and stuff that he's acting out. He almost comes across at times very like Ash from Evil Dead 2 yes. to yeah, me. Yeah. And that's like, oh, you're a living cartoon character. Yeah. I could actually I could actually see him uh playing in an Evil Dead movie. Maybe right? doing some Ash stuff. He's got yeah. like kind of the patheticness of Ash in the first right. one. Right. But he's but also, then also got, just the zaniness yeah. of part two. Yeah. That could work. Wow. I, consider that. Anybody out there casting an yeah. Evil Dead movie? Josh Rubin, <laughs> for your consideration. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. The thing that really like brought me into all these stories and stuff that we're getting through the movie, you know, as, as well as just the, the excellent. Uh, storytelling bits, of course, by by Fred and Fanny there. Dude, the sound effects and sound design yeah, of this movie... It's great. Like, they're a character of their own. I think that mm-hmm. the way that they handled sound effects and things in this, which gets progressively crazier and crazier, is amazing. Like, initially, it just kind of starts off in its subtle stuff, where it's like, and then the floorboards creaked, and there'll be like a floorboard creaking yeah. sound. Like... Almost like the sound that you're imagining when someone tells you a story. Or it could just be the sound that the listener in the movie is hearing in their minds or whatever. Yeah. And especially like, especially after they do all that cocaine, <laughs> it just gets more and more and more vivid and yeah. over the top. Yeah, I love I love that they brought cocaine into it. <laughs> because, as I've <laughs> said before, it's prevalent in Hollywood. You're going to yeah. find some cocaine. So uh, you gotta find some. Yeah, that that is really fun and funny. Like just watching, watching him also like s- slowly get drunker. Like by the mm-hmm. time they do the American Idol uh, story, like uh, they do like the American Idol beginning thing, and then he jumps up to be in it, but like trips over because he's like drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I really enjoyed the way that all played out, but yeah, definitely the the storytelling the the way the storytelling changes when they start doing the coke and the way it amps up the sound and then the music and stuff that comes in like that oh and yeah the, the lights like whenever she's talking to him and he's satan and it's he's got like oh, that crazy yeah, really face in cool. the lights mm-hmm. yeah yeah once they do the cocaine it does get a little more surreal which is explainable because of the drug use yeah, they're on cocaine. Yeah, so. it's really cool. I like it. <laughs> I do too. It really just drew me into the movie so well, and it really did remind me of like how much fun it is whenever someone is a great storyteller and yeah. they're telling you the story and it's painting the the picture in your mind. Like, it's interesting to do that. I don't even know what perspective that would be. It's like fucking fourth person's perspective. You're watching a movie, God's eye view camera of two people telling a story. Right. And you're watching the person that's getting the story told to them, yeah. but getting wrapped up in that story mm-hmm. of the story being told. Like it's really complicated. <laughs> it is the meta. The meta element is just out there. Like just, I'm just a dude pretending to be another dude. <laughs> yeah. Like I. Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole world exactly like our world. 
Like, there's no real difference, it seems, because we don't see anything otherworldly happen, nothing out out of, you know, other than the cocaine scenes, which are tinged by the drug use. Like, everything is so solid and normal. But Yeah, there's nothing supernatural or anything. Yeah, going on. but it is a meta movie, as in it, it's, it's referring to the genre it's in, it's referring to other movies, and it is a movie. But it just it just feels so grounded. So I I like I like I like that unique bit. Just don't even know how to categorize it. Like I don't know what else to put it with. I mean, we've talked about how mm. Trick or Treat isn't really an anthology, but it is like uh it maybe kind of in that area, but still you know, without the extreme effects and all that stuff, and with far and the fewer characters yeah, too, without the chamber of perspective, yeah, it's it's very unique and interesting. I think so, and those effects in this movie as well draw you in. I think extremely well too, because there's a lot of like, did I see that or did I not? Right. And then even the characters in the movie themselves start doing that uh-huh. too. We're like, they see the the glowing yellow eyes. In uh, in that vent, whenever they're telling like the, the troll, troll story, story. Yeah. Like, did you see that? And then they get distracted, and, and the yellow lights go out. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. And there's other stuff in there too, like where he's telling the werewolf story, and like the werewolf hand creeps up. Yes, at the top of that railing. Uh huh. Really good. I didn't know if the movie was gonna go in a direction where it turned out that he was a monster or something. I didn't uh-huh. really know where that was going, but I was like, that's really cool. They showed me the hand, and then you realize like, oh no, that was just. In her, her imagination. imagination, yeah. Uh huh. I, I, yeah. There's like one scene in there too where she has fangs for like a split second but, when she's talking yeah. about the zombie vampire. Yeah, you see them a couple times for a split second. It's when they're behind the couch. Yeah, she, she, it's when he has shot her in the story and then she starts coming back to life. And yeah, yeah it's a zombie vampire story apparently. So, <laughs> which <laughs> has happened before. Uh, it wouldn't even oh. be a new genre. Uh, yeah, that's uh, The Last Man on Earth, aka Omega Man. Oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Uh, and there's also, like, yeah, like the shadow of the wolf and stuff like that on the wall. Like, yeah. It's just cool really stuff. Cool you stuff. do, like, the hand puppets for, like, the trees and shit. I like the little detail that when they try to come up with another job that people have that they don't really get what the job is. Like, because that, that is true, so true of writers. Like, they'll be like, and she works in an office. It's an office for shoes. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah okay whatever okay that's a, that's a <laughs> they job. make sure. uh, edible arrangements and like they constantly refer back to it like but they don't know what it is it doesn't seem they're just like they yeah. make arrangements <laughs> that are edible it's just yeah, like they're, they're baskets that are edible yeah arrangements. but that that's like so true of writers like when they're trying to think of other jobs unless it's a job they've had they have no idea it's just like and then they go there in a suit and you get a check, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's how the world works, right? <laughs> Dude, the editing in those storytelling scenes, too, was something that really drew me in because I felt like there was so many creative ways that they edited that, especially when one of the people in the movie was like playing two characters talking to each other, the way they chose to do some really quick cuts from whenever they like change character voices and stuff. I thought a lot of the editing was just yeah. extremely mm-hmm. well done. Me and too. like here's the thing, man. Editing is the effect that doesn't cost money. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with all the programs now, man, you can do stuff so quick and l- just get so many different looks at something so easily. 
editing yeah. is is an art form that like if if you can master it you don't need a huge effects budget Mm-mm. and i'm sure the budget for this movie was nothing yeah i couldn't I find, could, a, budget I couldn't find could a budget either but i can't imagine it was too high and if it was it just went to the actors and directors <laughs> like great uh, yeah, yeah. It, there's like four people in it, and it's basically just one set yeah. and a few exterior shots, like for the book store at the very end, uh, and the car ride at the first. That's about it. I actually think, like, I was thinking about it. Uh, I watched it just before we started recording. I was thinking about it from a budgetary standpoint. Like, I'm pretty sure whenever he like opens the door to the basement and says "nah," like that was a good like horror movie sort of in joke. Like, obviously, you don't go in the basement, but it was also like. Well, it costs money to light a basement, so we're not going to go into it. <laughs> there you go. We're not even going to show you what he saw, because yep. that would probably cost money. Yep. So, just open the door. Nuh-uh. Close it. There you go. You've explained yeah. why they don't go in the basement. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, though, Like what this movie did with so little. I mean, with... Again, with basically no characters, with basically no you know variety in sets or anything like that, no budget yeah. for anything, man, it still kept me really, really interested and really fascinated. Like by the time that they got done with their first round of you know scary stories that they're telling each other, I was like, I think we're like forty minutes into this movie, and not really all that much has happened yet, yeah. but the time is flying by. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, it is it is like 45, 50 minutes in the movie where uh, Carlo shows up. So, like, yeah, you, and it flies. It really does. They tell three stories in that time. And we also wow. get like, they're long. Yeah. And we also get like the the introductory bit. So, like, a whole lot happens in that time. But again, not a lot happens because it's just two people in a room. Yeah, I think this would make like great material for a small play. Like this oh, yeah. seems like something that would oh, yeah. be very could, easy to take to the stage. You could definitely take this to the stage. I'd love to see this as a musical. <laughs> oh hell yeah! The, the I mean, mu- it's already got a musical number in it. Yeah, and the music is by Elegant Two, who have sixty-four music credits on Bob's Burgers, so you know they're badass. You can't argue with those numbers yeah. because the songs on Bob's Burgers, the best, are the best. Yeah. Absolutely. The the fucking best, uh, man. And this song is Again, great Bob's too. Burgers is the best. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is the best. This song is great. The let's shut them up, then cut them up. <laughs> like she's talking about <laughs> killing so children. It's so fucking yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it gets super super brutal, yeah. super fast, man. Yeah. It's funny too, man. That's the thing about this movie that surprised me is like it's a really great horror comedy. There's yes. some really funny shit. I know that we're kind of going deep into all the creative and right, but uh, it's you know, mostly uh, just funny politic issues. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly just really funny, and you can sit back later and pick at the stuff that we were talking about. But dude, there was so much stuff in this movie that I was cracking up laughing at. I love whenever Carlo the pizza guy shows up and he scares the shit out of him. He's like, "Ah, hi, I'm Carlo." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I basically everything Chris Red says is pretty much gold. Like the we're dead babies with really bad yeah. scabies. Like <laughs> babies with scabies. Yeah, he wanted an army of dead babies. That's like uh, just hilarious. What an idea. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed the humor aspects of this. But you know, I was reading some reviews last night on the IMDb. And uh, it seems like not a lot of people share that opinion about mm, this movie. This wow. is a movie that has like a lot of really strong reviews and a lot of 
really negative reviews. And yeah. I'll tell you what, Steve, on pretty much all the negative reviews that I read of this, it was mainly people being like, I couldn't get into this movie. She was so rude and unlikable. Uh, like, all they talk about is how they hated her. Wow. So, exactly what the movie is about, then. Is about, yeah. right. Yeah. You yeah. probably also, like, felt really bad for a dude that he couldn't yeah. get any gigs or any work done, too. Why does she get to sell books and he doesn't? <laughs> She's just lucky. Now <laughs> she wrote a book. He didn't. <laughs> like, how about that? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was pretty blown away by how many of the complaints yeah. were just so unilateral Dude, in that statement of just, just like, oh, she's unlikable. You just wait until that first preview for Jordan Peele's People Under the Stairs comes out and all the comments, why do you have to make it about race? <laughs> Dude, for fucking real, yeah, man, right? You just wait. It's going to be a thing. And people obviously who have seen it will be like, have you seen the original because yeah. it's about race <laughs> dude i'm kind of excited about that because that's too. like yeah that, seeing a lot of these movies get like remade and we're like oh really do you have to remake that but that's a movie that i could see it doing well yeah I see it working yeah yeah, yeah. And i can see him doing really well yeah, with too. it too so yeah i i people people want their politics to be right especially when they're stupid Stupid people want to be right and never be corrected. And so they're never going to be corrected. And everything that tries to work off of a correct worldview is going to be seen as trash. That's just how it is. They're never going to change. They're not looking to change. And they're going to try to tank scores of things that are good because they are mad that they're not creative which is exactly what the fucking movie is about and yeah i think so so uh you know i shutter on shutter it has a four skull rating which i read through some of the reviews and i would say the exact same thing because it was mostly five star reviews and then one star reviews so yeah totally. <laughs> mostly people who loved it and the people who were like why are, why are politics in horror movies why was the girl being mean to the guy? G- girls are supposed to be nice because mommy. <laughs> that really sums up like every one of those reviews. Yep, girls because are supposed mommy. to be nice because mommy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's sad, but it's also like kind of proves the point of the character. Proves point, yeah. yeah kind of proves yeah. Fred's character is a, a legit character that needs to be dealt with. Based on a true story. Based on a true story, <laughs> yep. I don't know. It's a really, really unique movie, but I think that it's very cool. I do like, too. I don't think that it's... I don't think it's exactly perfect. Like, I don't know about... Like, let's say at the very end of the movie, whenever, you know, Fanny's decided she's not going to kill him, and she runs off and, like, leaves her notebook there, and we never really find out, like, what happened. Like, where did she go? How was she not suing this person that stole all of her stories and turned them into a book like what happened to her i kind of wish we would have had at least a little bit of follow-up there well i mean i you know it didn't bother me i i feel like to me it's just like she just witnessed a guy dying i understand not wanting to be there and running out not really thinking about your your objects and things and then i also understand but you know, if she if she lives her philosophy that she shows throughout, 
that uh, someone taking her notebook and making something out of it doesn't it's not stealing like she you know the book that the the person got out of it was just a an anthology about the stories they told and not the story she probably wanted to tell about fragile fred Mm -hmm. so maybe maybe the story she wanted to tell was still there i i can't imagine seeing someone die like that you would forget the details Probably yeah, a notebook not that important at that point. <laughs> that's true, man. Do you have any complaints or anything about the movie? No, I I uh, love it. I just I like I really enjoyed this movie from beginning to end, and have watched it three times now, and enjoyed it each time. It was just like, man, this is. I mean, I I can understand someone might have complaints, but the complaints would be with the uh, base root of the entire idea of these people telling stories and not actually showing them as separate anthology pieces but showing them tell the stories like that's the idea like if you if you dislike that idea fine but that is the idea so i i i think it's very creative i enjoyed every performance in it really liked the way it's directed um it's uncomfortable to watch the the tension build and then that final story bit is very uncomfortable which yeah is like a a huge switch from the light playful tone which makes the light playful tone all make sense it makes it less of a a comedy that has horror elements and more of a, an actual horror comedy where the comedy is actually helping to build the horror. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, like I that think a lot. So. I do too, man. And that's something that had me kind of wondering the whole movie as well is like, you know, was this whole thing a setup where after they had this idea to scare each other with stories, like was he intentionally telling crappy stories and doing badly, but while also planting these seeds in her mind of the fact that he might have some personal problems and stuff. Yeah. Just so he could win. Yeah. Or was that all legitimately him just like being bad at storytelling and having some issues and being a jealous piece of shit? (laughs) I I mean, I, I may be getting this wrong, but doesn't he admit in the end that he cheated on his significant other and not the other way around as he had said before? Like I think that you're right. I didn't catch yeah. that because I just watched it the one time. We're yeah. not we're not even sure if any of the stuff he has said at any point is true. Like all she knows for sure is that that he had received a text from her that says he's a monster, and he receives the um uh, order of protection. But we don't know for sure any of the details of what was going on in the background. So he could be the entire time sort of planting a seed, knowing, you know, in fact, that it's a completely different story. But he knows that if he says these things, he'll be able to scare her eventually. But I, I I think that we're supposed to have that sort of, you know, ambiguity in the end. But I, I think that his character is just showing through at the end and he's pretending it's a story. It's like, you know, people who make uh, horrendous comments and then say it's a joke. Like there was no joke right. to that. You just wanted to make a horrendous comment and then have an excuse. Like, yep. So it seemed like in the end he was really wanting to kill her 
and used the storytelling as an excuse. That's what I think, too. Like, it is left a little open, but that's exactly what I got out of it Yeah, as well. It's just such a unique movie. It is. Like, it requires a little bit of work from the watcher because, I mean, you got to use your imagination yeah. to enjoy these stories that they're telling because they're not showing you anything. They're showing you two people in a cabin making silly faces and yeah. doing voices. Like, it requires a little bit of work on your part. For sure. And I think that that's awesome. I do, too. I, I mean, it's like that That goes back to the grand tradition of telling stories right. or having a story read to you from a book when you were a kid. Like, your imagination has to do a little bit of work to make this good. Yeah. But I think this movie took a huge risk in doing that, and it could have turned out absolutely horribly with subpar actors oh, that didn't understand what they were doing. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, like, there's a there's a, a number of multiverses out there, of versions <laughs> of this movie that are fucking horrible, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, you're right. Like, this, this, like, was just a confluence of really good uh, writing, directing, and acting coming together on a project that could have easily been terrible. But yeah, turns out great. I know, man, because especially with a lot of these, like, straight to streaming or straight to a streaming network it's like you go in being like okay so you mean no budget and usually that (laughs) can equate to like really subpar effects and really bad actors and stuff yeah usually but in this case it was just like no it just meant we had limitations and parameters that we had to work around but we knew what we were doing so it turned out great yep I like it a lot, man. You Me got a, any final thoughts and a rating on this thing? Uh, final thoughts. Uh, my final thoughts is it's, it's hard for me to rate this because, like, when I'm thinking about it, it's like well, it's, per- it's perfect for me. <laughs> like, I need, yeah. but I it's need about some, writers yeah. that are improv people yeah. and comedians. <laughs> like every yeah, every bit about it is like yeah, great. So, um, but uh, you know, I can see why somebody who you know is tuning in to a horror movie for something that is you know, more over tense. This is, this is, you know, a light playful movie for most of the movie. If you're looking for a real tense, uh, horror movie, that's going to keep you on the edge of your seat. This, eh, I mean, if you, if you really get into the stories, it does, but otherwise it won't. So I guess I have to rate it considering, another audience i gotta consider that there are people that might not get into this uh uh, for reasons of you know they they just don't think the storytelling is effective or whatever uh but for me i think it's overall just a great great movie so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna (laughs) i'm not gonna say a perfect 10 but i'm gonna give it a nine and a half because i love it i get it yeah i mean it's right it's right up your alley i mean like i said the the content yeah the actors and writers and stuff on this are all totally right there in your field. So I get it, man. I just really applaud this movie for being so creative and surprising me. Like this movie didn't scare me. It surprised me. Yeah. And I can't say the last time that I saw a new horror movie where I was like, man, I've never really seen anything like that, nor could I really describe that to somebody because I can't really use comparisons to describe it to anyone i can't say well it's like the shining but like it's not really like anything that you've seen but at the same time it's such a simple premises or premise that it's not like they went really out of their way to be ultra creative blah 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 it's like actually they did the most simple thing and that's what ended up making it creative yeah absolutely nicely paced really funny great camera work 
and again worked around that budget so well. And the the sound design and soundtrack I can't say enough about because yeah. they really, really made the movie. Like there's a cut of this movie without the sound effects and stuff, and it really probably fell flat. They really brought oh, a yeah. lot to this movie. I enjoyed it. I mean, maybe if you're not like a person who who does creative stuff, maybe this would not hit yeah. at home with you as much as it does to us who have spent our entire lives making stuff, yeah. you know? Um, maybe, but for me, I loved it. Yeah. And <laughs> I think I'm going to say... I'm not going to go quite as high as you. I think I'm going to say that this is like an eight for me just because yeah. it's so fucking creative, man. Hell yeah. Man. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Way to go, Josh Rubin. Way to go, Scare Me. Great stuff. Way to go, Shudder. Well, Steve, we found ourselves in the throes of the month of November. You Ooh. know what that means. That means November. Uh-oh, it's that time of year where we just got to cover ourselves a vampire talky picture, and we decided that this year by putting up a little votey poll over yeah. on our Facebook group. Steve, where can they find that Facebook group? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. Yeah, we just had the vote. We had We had four options, and the clear winner was... A girl walks home alone at night. Blah. No contest. Now, is yeah. this a prequel or sequel to Home Alone? I can't remember. Let's see. I think it's a sequel spinoff type of thing. Yeah. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. All right. So be sure to watch Home Alone and listen <laughs> to the Home Alone episode of our show that we did. Yep. Uh, around Christmas time, a little while back, yeah. that's a that's a mega episode. You don't right there. <laughs> watch Home Alone, you'll never get a girl walks home alone at night. You'll be like, wait, what? Yeah. Huh? Where's she going? Mm, so where are those robbers homework. at? Where's Kevin? <laughs> Stuff like that. So be sure to tune in next week and dig into that one. It's going to be fun. I saw that movie probably like three years or so ago, yeah, and I really me. liked it. Me too. I remember thinking it was really mm -hmm. cool and really neat, and just a totally different landscape than mm -hmm. what you typically set a vampire movie in so it'll be fun to revisit that one you guys be sure to tune in there uh, again like i said earlier rate and review apple podcast or wherever it is you can rate a podcast helps us out a ton support the show on patreon give us your dollar papers yeah patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely head on over there we uh we take dollar papers we also have uh shirts for sale just email us if you want a shirt I'll get you a shirt. Yeah, get that body covered up. And uh, also be sure to check us out on Instagram and all that stuff. Yeah, Instagram.com forward slash dead and lovely. <laughs> Head on over there. Instagram.com. Yeah. I did it again. It's not, <laughs> I mean, it is a thing, but like. You can do it that way, I guess. You can if you're a million. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, <laughs> we're at dead lovely pod. Um, and also we're on facebook.com. As I said, we also do a Friday night streaming chat where we on the discord chat about a movie. This most recent week we did uh, spider baby. Which, Ooh, how was that? Uh, okay. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's worth a watch if you're like a, a horror movie completionist. Cause it's definitely like had, had some inspiration on like texas chainsaw massacre and stuff and it had it's like i think it's sid haig's first role or one of his first roles oh. uh and it has some really good imagery but it's also not a great movie okay all right then but you guys can join in yeah, and hang out fun. and drink and we chat. had a great time talking about it though there you go man 
So yeah, be sure to tune in to all that stuff. Catch up with us on the gram and all those other places. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's installment of Dead and Lovely. We hope to catch you guys next week. We hope that everybody is enjoying America. We hope that there is an America yeah, hopefully. when this episode airs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good luck, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy the purge. Yay. <laughs> we'll catch you guys later. I've been Uncle Ben. I've been Hollywood Steve. We've been dead and lovely. Catch you later. Bye. So for the past week or so, I've just been watching Bram Stoker's Dracula before bed in bits and pieces. It's kind of a long flick, but it's one of those ones that I've seen so many times that I can just put on and watch like 10 minutes of, put it down. The next day I watch the next 15 minutes or whatever. Okay. And uh, I was doing that last night and I was in what I might refer to as an altered state Uh of consciousness. I've heard of them. (laughs) <laughs> my, my consciousness was abnormal. I see. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I just finished watching that scene in the movie where Dracula and Winona Ryder are like drinking on the absinthe and she starts like having the flashbacks of, you know, her past life where she knew him and stuff. Uh-huh. And I shut the movie off after that. And as I was climbing into bed in my super whacked out state of mind, <laughs> for some reason, I just started like going over the dialogue of that scene in my mind because there's so much like super beautifully written, I mean, just amazing dialogue in there. And for some reason at the time, it became the most hilarious thing in the world to me to think about what that scene would have played like if they were using like just plain old hill folk talk instead. Uh-huh. <laughs> like we would do around here, you know? Right. <laughs> so I was thinking about those lines where he's like, I have crossed oceans of time. Right. And instead, like, maybe in my version of the movie, he'd be like, it's been a month of Sundays since I seen you. <laughs> and then, you know, there's that part where she starts remembering seeing, uh, seeing Mina's face from the past and stuff. Uh-huh. And she's like, her face is a river. <laughs> Okay. And I think she'd be like, her face is like that old crick out behind the barn. <laughs> I think it'd play very well. And instead of absinthe, it's definitely moonshine. Oh, definitely. For sure. All right. So The shines, the spirits of the soul. All right. So what about, all right, I was thinking then, okay. What about lines like, there is much to be learned from beasts. Dogs is smart. <laughs> Dog sure is smart. You can tell they're always thinking of something. They know more than you think they do. Mm-hmm. I am the monster that breathing men would kill. I'm that critter pet folks hunt for. Yeah, that's good. I like this. Instead of, I like it a lot too. And you'd get stuff like. The oh the beautiful music of the night. Listen to them, whatever he says. <laughs> yeah, I think he just instead he'd hear some old cicadas and tree frogs yeah. and be like, "Would you listen to that there? <laughs> Ain't that pretty?" <laughs> <laughs> I think we just need to like redub the whole movie. This Fucking is something that yes. needs to happen. Yes, uh, well, we'll start with the trailer. <laughs> And then see where we go from there. <laughs> Dude, don't even tempt me because I'm absolutely me on too. deck with doing 100%. that. 100%. Patreon exclusive. <laughs> yes. <laughs>